Guru Nation, welcome to episode 480 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this episode, we actually went live and I interviewed a guest, Christine Naro. Thank you very much for being a co-host. She is one of my Patreon members and uh, she has experience as a study coordinator. So she was helping me out as well, answering the questions. The theme of this one is don't be on the sidelines in 2021. This is going to be an incredible year for clinical research. So don't be on the sidelines at all. Uh, when it comes to clinical research and make sure that you actually get into the industry somehow or if you're in the industry make sure that you're actually doing something I mean by default you're gonna be doing stuff this year in a 2021 world so check it out hopefully it helps you out we also answered a bunch of other questions on here so it's a random live stream uh, check out the patreon channel links in the show notes only five bucks a month monthly mastermind uh, digital weekly digital uh, videos on how to use social media to increase your opportunities uh, check out CRA Academy and CRC Academy, links in the show notes. If you need help getting studies or starting a site, text me 949-415-6256. And with all that being said, enjoy the show. Not yet, not yet. Bitcoin check 1212. I can hear you loud and Okay, we're live. Guys, put your questions. What's that? Christine, how's it going? Good, it's going good. How's everything? Hello, Instagram. Put your questions in there. Put the hearts in there. Put the likes in there. Put the uh, wavy hands, okay? Put emojis. As many... Put an emoji that describes you today. Okay, mine would be a stock price going up. (laughs) Uh, Bitcoin, but also the clinical research industry in general. Very bullish, extremely bullish. You guys need to hit the like on Instagram. We need to confuse the algorithms. LinkedIn and uh, YouTube and Facebook, as always, we salute you. I've got Christine Naro, okay? One of my dedicated Patreon members and the person who we're going to be going on Clubhouse with and Rod. Shout out to Rod Raphael over there for holding down. Rod Raphael hold, held down the fort for the Clubhouse um that clubhouse on friday we're going to just start doing these clubhouse every friday there's so much value there from a b2b perspective for clinical researchers and christine's going to be joining us now most fridays too if not all fridays Uh, whenever she can she will join us christine why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your background and i'm going to get the questions rolling on um on this uh, live stream okay Okay, sure. Thank you, Dan, for the introduction. My name is Christine Naro, and I'm a clinical research coordinator in San Antonio, Texas. I've been in clinical research since 2017, and it kind of spanned when I got into ophthalmology. So my background is ophthalmology primarily, and I'm trying to become more of a generalist now. Uh, But my goal is to definitely increase diversity in clinical research and also move up in the industry. Very good. You guys, if you like that, first of all, let me know if you can hear on Instagram. The volume's as loud as it's going to get on Instagram because we're doing this, you know, interview style thing uh, live on the other channels. But, okay, thumbs up if you like it. Thank you. Keep the questions coming in. So, Christine has coordinator experience. Um, she's, what's your plans? What's your goals for the next steps in your clinical research career, Christine? So, my plan is to either work for a CRO or a sponsor. Okay, and you're well on your way to doing that. 
Uh, we don't need to discuss all of that unless you want to, but we don't have to. So, Christine, just wanted to give you guys some context on Christine as we start answering some questions. Okay, so first one says, hey, you know, can you do a show on participant recruitment, recruitment strategies, recruitment plans, tips, retention? This guy wants it all. I mean, you want everything. You're like, slow down a little bit. You know, it's just Monday. It's only Monday so far. Need to recruit 1,200 participants within 12 months. All have to come for a visit for two hours. This is a logistical nightmare, uh, even though I designed this study. Uh, please help. So may God be on your side, sir. This is a tough task. Okay. This is challenging. It's, I know from the question, it's a COVID study, outpatient COVID. I guess the good news is you got a motivated audience of people who have COVID with mild symptoms. So these are not people going to the hospital. Pretty much like I was uh, two months ago. Mild symptoms, but I did a study. So you got to get to these people somehow. I think I'm seeing a lot of um, Facebook campaigns from sponsors I'm working with on this with a landing page so that minimum you need a landing page and you need some you need to spend some money on facebook campaigns it doesn't sound like you are wanting to utilize other sites and so that's going to be a problem because clinicians don't want to refer patients unless they're involved somehow in the study and i was on a call with how-to clinical research, what up, what up, what up, how about that Bitcoin today, huh? Um, I was on a call a few months ago with a sponsor. They're doing this virtual trial. The, the, I love the virtual trials. And they were saying that, um, uh, you know, they want to get, like, si uh, similar to what this person was asking. They want to get uh, 100 participants a, a month um, but they don't know how to do it and they don't want any sites involved it's virtual so they're the only site but they would like my help in bringing them doctors to refer patients and they'll pay the doctors a stipend and I told them this is never gonna work here's why it's not gonna work these doctors want to do research they want to be the PIs they may be at, at at the least want to be sub investigators no doctor for a hundred dollar stipend is going to send you his or her patients that they treat that they care for to some random entity they know nothing about nor do they know anything about the study will never work thank you how to clinical research for confirming of course it's never going to work but what we know this you know because we're at the ground level in research but why do sponsors not understand this so that's my answer to this person's um, uh, question is just be re a little bit realistic. Gabby Marinello, let me know how the CRC Academy went. Shout out to another Patreon member, Gabby Marinello. Um, Christine, you and Gabby need to uh, get to know each other. Okay. Okay. She's a site owner in Miami. Got a lot going on for her. A lot of moving and shaking going on in the industry. Rod Raphael says, make them sub-eyes. The sponsor doesn't want to do it. But hopefully you, viewer slash listener, will think otherwise. 
and maybe allow sites. Okay, and I think you can find a lot of doctors who want to do research and want the experience, and maybe they could be sub-biased for your study. So there's this is a multi-pronged approach, in my opinion, to getting patients. What do you think, Christine? You're involved in recruitment space a little bit. What do you think about this person's uh, question? So I was actually also a participant in one of the COVID trials, and I actually found out because my daughter was in a research study, and while I was sitting in the waiting room, the news came on and they said, this site is doing COVID studies. And I actually went to the front desk and I signed up like right then and there. But that's another option is to advertise on the local news. So advertise on the local news. Like, oh, so okay. Yeah, so maybe, um, and not even advertise, maybe call your local news station or local news stations in small cities and let them, because they're always looking for stories and say hey good news okay i'm bringing a covid study to your sleepy town we're gonna we're gonna make some noise here's a story you can report on that's a good uh, unconventional out of the box way to go about it which you can never do in a big city if you're in la miami new york nobody cares the media there they're big time but if you're like in yuma arizona or some other place like that um you could probably do it so that's actually interesting uh there is actually a lot of doctor interest for covid i i agree rod Raphael also says christine in addition to that press release press release so patricia hello patricia from imedris let us know what imedris is we're going to go through these comments at random i pre-screened none of them my pi is a nightmare research just isn't for him and I need to switch him out. Already have a new PI and going to move the site across the street. Wow. Can you talk about that process? I have a few. Uh, I laugh because I actually did this before. Um, not because the PI was a nightmare, but the PI was like stealing studies from me and created a new company behind my back. So I was like kicked to the curb. Um, but you have a new PI and you're going to move the site across the street. My, my concern would be if you're and how to clinical research says that's touchy. Definitely how to, this is like, um, Maury Povich. We only deal with touchy topics. Okay. It's like Jerry Springer of clinical research here. We got drama. We bring drama to your social media platform. Your fa your favorite one. My concern would be if you're going to move across the street, um, your current PI, if he keeps getting studies or if he has builds a bad reputation for himself, your new site is going to get thrown into this branding uh, that he's built. And you may not have, you know, the sponsors may not know a difference between you and your other PI because so I would go like further than across the street if possible. If you have no other possibility go across the street and make sure you really focus heavily on rebranding your site and hopefully your former pi doesn't do studies anymore that's a tough one that process is tough you got to talk to the sponsors the sponsors tend to side during disagreements like this usually hey we have ongoing study we need to transfer the budget to my new site the sponsors tend to favor and take the side of the PI. 
Okay, so they're not really going to be on your side. They're going to be on the side of the PI. So maybe you're not going to get any contracts that you can take with you. You're going to have to start over. So I don't know the details. Oh, we get more details. We get more detail. It gets juicier. Uh, I have a few studies, but they only require one appointment. So there won't be a process of maintaining patients across PIs. What should I do first, and what do I do to ensure that my new PI is accepted by sponsors for existing studies? New PI has experience on five studies in the last year. I would call the sponsor. First of all, I would call your, uh, and thank you, Christine. Get those hearts going, guys, on the Instagram. We need to confuse. We need to confuse and shock, completely shock the algorithms on a Monday, on a Monday evening. Okay, so... Um, I would, if I were you, Brian, I would contact the sponsor, your CRA first, and then let your CRA know, hey, this has been the issue with this guy. I already have a new PI. We're going to transfer everything over. But then you still have to have your PI sign the contract over. So you, unless the sponsor just says, hey, forget this guy's contract. We're going to move, move it over. I hate to tell you, it's not going to be simple. Um, and... That's what I would do. I would focus on getting the contract switched over to your new site, get the new PI on board, get the sponsor to meet them. Uh, it's a very difficult situation. I've been in not exactly this situation, but similar, one that rhymes with this. And um, I have known other clients who have. It's actually a more common situation than you might think. Uh, there's a lot of drama out there, guys. <laughs> Uh, what do you think about this, Christine? You're going to be a site owner one day. What do you think? Are you ready for all this? Well, um, I'm ready for the challenge. And congratulations, Brian. Um, even though this is a tough situation, I'm congratulating you on the new site and your new PI. And I hope I'm sending you a lot of good vibes. I hope that it really works out for you. Yeah, actually, thank you for bringing it back to the positive, Christine. As as. Uh, um, Dan, post this video when you are done, please, so I can rewatch it. Of course, of course. It'll be perfectly posted on IGTV. Unless I hit the wrong button. It happened before. Video goes bye-bye. But it's going on YouTube, LinkedIn, and uh, Facebook also. So I think we're okay. We're okay. Uh, but, yeah, Christine, thank you for bringing it back to the positive. It's always important to think positive. Brian is adding more color. He says, PI has no ownership. CTA is all in my name. Did the PI sign the CTA anywhere? Because if so, sponsor might still give you a hard time. But let's be positive. At least you have a new PI. This could have happened to you and you don't have a new PI, right? So you have a PI. You Worst case scenario, you have to start with new studies. Best case scenario, you can transfer over your studies to the new PI and it's all good. And then you get somewhere in between of a range of probabilities. Okay, Rod says you may have to go with new studies. Nancy Lockhart, how's it going? Thank you for the hearts. Smash the screen. Uh, How-to Clinical Research says if the PI signed the CTA, you can read what they signed as. He's leaving us hanging. Okay, I don't know what the rest of this <laughs> is going to be. But let's go to Dr. Valdez Science. Yeah, thank you for the hearts, guys. I'm a Hispanic international medical graduate and would love to work as a clinical researcher while I'm studying for my board examinations. How can I get that job if I live outside the U.S.? So where do you want to 
live permanently. I mean, if it's in the U.S., then I think you just have to move here first. So give me more, give me more info on that one before I can answer the question. Because my answer to you is, IMG graduate, it's study coordinator. Okay, international medical graduate when they come to the United States, study coordinator all the way, and if it's a small enough site, they're gonna love to have you, and they're gonna love to know that you're gonna go to med school and try to get your license, because they, what do sites always need? They need more investigators to join them. Look at Brian. Brian, you know, one of his PIs is not good. Of course, Brian needs backup PIs. Look at what's going on over here. Right? You guys see. You guys see what's going on. Um, so that's what I would do uh, if I were you, is a study coordinator all the way. The smaller the site, the better in your case. Um, any more questions? Get your questions on LinkedIn, Facebook or YouTube up here on Instagram too. Instagram has been extremely engaged. Uh, we're very happy uh, in regards to Instagram. What do you think about uh, this, Christine, about the international medical graduate? I think that it's a great opportunity for you if you do become a coordinator because you wanna learn the basics of research before you go into those higher levels and build a foundation in any industry. I, um, one of my managers was actually a foreign MD and he was very knowledgeable in ophthalmology and, and research it made him powerful. You see generalist there. And let's go to Instagram really quick before we get to the other question. Uh, they can sign as a party. Oh, so how to clinical research providing more info on the previous, how to assign your contract. They can sign as a party or as an acknowledgement of their PI duties. Yep. Val Brooks has just added six sub-eyes to my updated 1572. Lots of sub-eyes needed. Exactly. And Val Brooks knows that doctors are just like seeds. Okay. You plant them on the 1572. You water them. You put them in the right soil, which is your clinic. You water them with your training and... Um, probably make it interesting for them, right? Whether it's money, whether it's prestige, you're cultivating them. You're going to grow. They're going to grow into beautiful PIs one day that will not leave you like they did with Brian and force you to move across the street. They'll make you grow together and be happy. And Val put, put Val Brook put two hearts on there. And everybody who, who agrees with this should smash the screen. Um, Let's do it. Patricia is explaining what iMedris is. I've never heard of it, but it's a cool name. Provides clinical trial, human subject re research ethics, and grants management software, among many things. We support the research compliance by providing streamlined documentation process, and we also enable researchers in multiple disciplines, a venue to collaborate. This was a free ad by Patricia, but this is really cool. There's all kinds of opportunities in this space, guys. Uh, Nancy Lockhart, CRC Academy student. One of my friend's daughters is a veterinarian. I've told her about my studies in the CRC Academies. Are PI positions available for veterinarians? They do do animal studies. Um, so yes, there are clinical trials for animals. Um, but it's not nowhere near 
uh, as robust as for humans. I mean, it's like a rare, very rare thing. If you can imagine how rare it is for just an average physician to do clinical research, it's like a hundred times more rare for a veterinarian to do it. Um, and they even they have like ethics committees and things like that too. Usually when you think of animal studies, you think of like preclinical. Um, so if we're talking about doing studies on sick animals, I know vets do that, but it's more like investigative initiated trials that they're doing. And uh, it's tough. It's tough for a veterinarian and stuff. It's Dan, tough. I actually, Any, uh, I actually yeah. have some experience in um, animal research. I was a project manager assistant for the military, and they do some oh, animal research. Um, their IRB is called the IACUC. And those are the, you know, it? people, Iacook. Okay. Yeah, and those are the people that protect the animal rights. Um, it was a big deal uh, in San Antonio because it was at one of the military bases. They even had people protesting back in the day. But now it's kind of on the DL. Really? And so what, what kind of studies were they doing? Like on just on um, like preclinical stuff on animals or like uh, or what? Right. Like, for example, like a, a stent, a heart stent, you know, stuff like that. Wow. Interesting. How And what was your, so your career, um, yeah, Nancy says, thank you. I will share this info with her mom. So what do you think about Nancy's question? Like, what do you, am I on the right track here? Yes, I think you're right. Um, I've only seen them hire mostly like vet techs for, for those positions because, of course, the people that are doing the research are, are PhDs or MDs, but I agree. I think it would be a great opportunity for her. And can we confirm what Patricia is putting on the screen is correct? This sounds yeah. right. Institutional Animal Care and Use Committee. Wow. Now, anybody out there that knows of them doing um, animal studies on sick animals, like let's take, for example, like some kind of cancer for an animal. You know, I don't know if they do these kind of things. I know the vets sometimes experiment. They're allowed to experiment, like, you know, experimental treatments. Um, I don't know if there's any official, like, study on sick animals. You know, I know they do animal studies all the time in preclinical. And like Christine was saying, um, in, in the military as well. Uh, how to clinical research put a unicorn? Is that Kristaps Porzingis on the Dallas Mavericks? Uh, Val Brook, are those tested on animals before those trials anyways? Just curious. Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. We need somebody from it. Like, I interviewed a long time ago. None of you guys probably even remember because this was so long ago. I have interviewed like a preclinical animal um, study expert. But this was like 2012, guys. It, I had no beard. I had no gray hairs. Uh, it was like a different person. So I should just interview them again. So what what are you excited about, Christine, going forward? Well, I'm excited that COVID-19 has brought a lot of attention to the research industry. And I'm excited for all of us here watching the live or that are connecting and networking with Dan and each other to get ahead in the industry. That's good. That's good stuff. And Clubhouse. I'm very excited about Clubhouse. I'm actually, uh, I can't use my phone because it's used, being used right now for Instagram. But I think I have a image quote coming out for Instagram soon. Uh, it's like a race track. And it says, you know what? It doesn't matter if you finish last or you finish first 
in this uh, year, as long as you're in the race, you're going to do well, okay? You're not going to do well. You can't do well if you're on the sidelines, all right? So when you're in, a, like, such a busy industry, this is going to be a record-breaking year. I don't care if you guys are entry-level or, like, uh, business owners or senior-level executives. If you are in the game, you have a chance to do really well. You have a chance that for it to be your best year ever just by being associated. A rising tide raise, uh, raises all ships. And so I really believe in that. And I just came up with three more quotes for Carlos. So Carlos is going to be busy. We're going to watch this Carlos at minute 2330. Uh, just go back one minute and you'll see. Um, clinical trial skills are transferable skills for some research. Pet-owned animals required consent forms too. Yep, yep. And you're right. You're absolutely right. That is transferable skill to human clinical trials. Absolutely right. Nancy also says, great information, Patricia. Shout out to Patricia uh, today. Yes, preclinical is two animal models. I have submitted IACUC protocol. People, you guys know all about this stuff. And I love the race, Stephanie. We all are part of the race. We are all are in the race. The only way you're guaranteed to not do anything is to be on the sidelines and watch everybody else go by. If you're at NASCAR, you're just watching cars going in a circle. You don't you don't win. You there's no way you can win. If you're in NASCAR, even last place, I think you still get something for being last place. I'm pretty sure they don't do it for free. So um, just something to consider for getting into clinical research. Uh, Clubhouse, have you been experimenting, Christine, with Clubhouse as a Patreon member? Uh, have you been playing around with this? Yes, I have been on Clubhouse, and I started a room for ophthalmic techs as well. Um, and it's been interesting. I mean, there's all sorts of topics. The only thing that I have to say that I don't like is that um, sometimes if you don't speak up when you need to, the you know the conversation keeps going, so you kind of lose your your place online. But other I than that, that, been it's been really helpful, and I'm learning a lot and getting a lot of new ideas and networking as well on there too. I noticed that there's like its own form of etiquette to be in a clubhouse, which I haven't figured out yet. Uh, Rod says it's okay to be in the clubhouse, but you have to be in the race. Yes, <laughs> you gotta be. See, if you're here's the thing, if you're in the clubhouse, you're like almost in the race. Maybe you are in the race if you're already working in the industry, but maybe you're using clubhouse as a tool to get yourself into the race. But if all you're doing is sitting on clubhouse, I mean, I guess that's better than just watching Netflix. You know, at least you're putting your thoughts towards clinical research or whatever it is you might want to do. I'm in a lot of like cryptocurrency rooms in there. I'm, I, I listen a lot more than I talk on a clubhouse. Uh, Rod, so Rod Raphael got three new invites. So if you want guys get up in Rod Raphael's DMs, slide up in his DMs. I was going to ask you, Dan, um, I know that we can't record, but can we talk about the topics that they discussed? Yeah, of course. You know what? It's very interesting. There, uh, there are some venture capitalists that I follow. Mark Andreessen's one of them. And so I go in those rooms. There's no way I'm going to talk in that room. I'm just there to absorb. 
I'm trying. I'm in in the world of venture capital. I'm trying to get into that race. Okay, so I'm in the clubhouse, list absorbing, and there are undercover, like, media reporters in there, and they know that they might say something that's like kind of off the record because it's meant to be this like informal thing so one of the people in the room was like hey guys just to let you know this reporter she's a nasty reporter from the new york times uh she's using a burner account and she's in this room so be careful what you say and the new york times person got mad and started going off on the people in the room and it was crazy so you're absolutely right christine um there are issues there there definitely are issues and Honestly, people can record it. You just screen share, right? Or like screen record, or you can just use another device and record it. It's not hard to do. So still be careful, even though it's meant to be spontaneous conversation that's just stays there. Just know it's on the internet. Anything can be recorded. And uh, apparently that industry is already thriving in the space. Who else? Anybody else got stuff on Instagram? Instagram? Uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Rod Raphael has three invites, he says, but you have to take action. He doesn't want to waste time on you if you're not going to take action. So you're not going to get an invite unless you take action from Rod. But I don't know how you're going to confirm that, Rod, beforehand. you got to be a fortune teller. But maybe you can pre-screen them, ask them questions. <laughs> what are your thoughts on PMP? So... I think this is professional. What is PMP? It's something with project management, right? Project management professional, I think is what the acronym is. I always get these acronyms mixed up. Uh, PMP, look, I've said this before. I think project managers are the most underpaid and stressed out positions in research. I don't know how they do it. The few times I've contracted with CROs, and these are not even big CROs. These are mid-sized CROs that I've contracted because I'm a contract CRA. Oh, and that brings us to another question, so I'm glad I didn't end it. I do have another question, and it's about contract CRA, actually. Uh, so I'm going to pull that up. But basically, they're asking, how do you get started as a contract CRA? And I will – let's answer this question first. So project managers, very stressed out. Like, you have to really love process, systems. I think – if you have no research experience, but you are PMP certified, I think the harder of those two to accomplish is clinical research experience in the mind of the employer. Uh, so I still think if you have a PMP, you should still spend some time either as an in-house CRA or not a CRA. I don't think you'll get hired as a CRA with no experience, but like in-house CRA or site startup specialist or remote monitor just to put in that time, put in that one year, put in that two year maybe. And then now your PMP, once you combine it with clinical research experience, now it's like exponentially better. And yes, they need people like you who manage processes. Look, whenever there's an issue at a in, in a study, whether it's from the sponsor, whether it's from the site level, whether patients are getting SAEs, Everybody comes to the project manager and says, how do we fix this? What's going on? What do we do? Keep us on track. All this stuff. Okay, so PMP is tough, but I think it's a good career, but I think they are underpaid. But I don't think that's going to change just because I'm saying it. 
Um, got another question. You agree, Christine? What you have experience with PMP? I've been project manager assistant, um, but not the actual project manager. And I know that it is a lot of work. You are going to have at least one or more assistants to help you. Um, so I definitely think that it is a rewarding job. It's a good position because you're not, you know, you have help, but sometimes you can become overwhelmed if you have too many projects, just yeah. like a, a coordinator. And the P project manager assistant work just as hard as the project manager, other than you're not the one that gets called from the sites when they're not getting paid or from the sponsor when a CRA is not doing what they're supposed to do or, you know, but you're the one helping your project manager. It's tough. I've worked with assistant project managers as well. They do a lot of work. Oftentimes as a CRA, the project manager is so busy, you're going to end up talking to the assistants more than the actual project manager. How is setting up the new clinic? Does moving to a new state change how things work? No, not really. Um, especially when you're going from California to anywhere else. Uh, just about all regulations uh, are even easier. Um, uh, taxes are better, usually. Uh, the fundamentals don't change. You need a doctor. You need a doctor with a good private practice. Uh, you need patience. You need to. It's the same thing going from another state, other than <clears throat> the support system that you've grown accustomed to. Like if we can go into like the really nitty gritty details. For example, finding a calibration vendor for my equipment. Like here, we've worked with the same guy for ten years. He'll calibrate every any piece of equipment you have. He'll calibrate. And I know I've talked to clients in other other states who own sites and. They don't have someone like him there. So it's like different vendors for each piece of equipment. So little things like that are going to be challenging. Uh, I am going to be near a big hospital. So I think I could find out who they use as their vendor. Um, and uh, so uh, moving to a new state doesn't change much uh, fundamentally. It changes a few details, of course, because things are different in different areas. Um, but I'm, I'm moving to a place where there's zero research, like uh, this many clinical research studies there. So I'm going to I'm gonna feel pretty good about that, at least I think. At least I think. Ah, we got a question today. See, Christine, you're bringing out all the questions. I mean, people love having guests on. Christine, you're doing a really good job as co-host today. Uh, matter of fact, I think you should have your own podcast. You have a lot to say, a lot of good stuff to say. A lot of interesting things to say. Uh, how does we actually did a video on this today? How does a nurse how does a nurse practitioner transition to clinical research? So, and I will get to your question, Rod. Um, but let's do this one. How does a nurse practitioner transition to clinical research? I just did a video today with a nurse practitioner. So go to YouTube, go to Dan Sfera, click subscribe like comment and share uh on that video you're gonna see me interviewing speaking of new clinics we're building a new clinic here in california before i moved to arizona and we're merging what we're doing here we're merging two smaller clinics in southern california that i own into one big clinic halfway between both so one is in la the other one's in south orange county and we're gonna pick a place in the middle and merge these two clinics. It's going to be a mega clinic. 
and this nurse practitioner is going to be there seeing patients every single day, private practice, private practice, private practice. So, and the way she got into research is as a sub-investigator and as a raider because she's a psychiatric NP. If you're not a psychiatric NP, uh, there's probably no rating assessments, but there are assessments that you can do because NPs basically do everything doctors do, do everything medical doctors do. Uh, so in some states, you can even review lab results and EKGs and things like that. So there's a lot of value for NPs. Like Rod Raphael says, NPs are the bomb. If you are a nurse practitioner and you want to transition to research, just Google. Matter of fact, we can do this live. Oh, and you saw the video with Moombi. Shout out to Moombi. She's my NP. She's an amazing person. And we just did a video with her. Um, the way she got started was as a sub-investigator. So where are you located? Because I will do this for you right now. We're going to do it live. I'm going to Google your city. And I'm going to show you what clinics you need to call tomorrow or email or find on LinkedIn. And tell them you're an NP that wants to Atlanta. Okay, this is going to be easy. Let's do Atlanta clinical i'm just going on google guys anybody can do this atlanta clinical research site you want to avoid big institutions like emory and all that they don't it's too too much time. you just need to get in you need to get in somewhere so there's one atlanta center for medical research it's closed right now but it opens tomorrow at 8 a.m their number is 404-881-5800 they're located on 501 Fairburn Road, Southwest. That's one. There's Atlanta Vascular Research. There's Atlanta Clinical Research Centers. There's tons of sites in Atlanta. You need to contact all of them. Find the owners, find the people who work there on LinkedIn and say, I'm an NP. If I had NPs calling me, like, are you kidding? Uh, of course we want to work with you. We would open a new clinic for an NP if you have the right patient population. Um, how much capital would you need saved in cash for starting a new research clinic? Your living expenses for nine months at the least. That's the least. Okay. Your living expenses for nine months. If you're going to need to pay rent for your site, sometimes you don't have to. If you can get the PI to let you use their office or the NP sub I to let you use their office for free, you don't need to pay rent. Um, if you have to pay rent, that's extra. Also, if you're using their office, they probably have most of the equipment you need. So you might just need like a refrigerator, a random centrifuge here and there, a couple hundred bucks. So really, it's your living expenses for nine months because I'm assuming you would be the coordinator. If not, if you're going to hire a coordinator, you need a coordinator salary for nine months because you're not going to get paid for at least nine months. Uh, and that's nine months from getting a study, not from like you deciding I want to do research. Nine months from you getting a study. Okay. So that's how you do it in Atlanta. Why am I moving to Yuma? Uh, wife, wife is from there. We plan on, uh, you know, settling down for a little bit. Um, there's an opportunity there with a hospital in the area. Like I said, there's zero research there. So there's an opportunity there uh, for really like doing a flip. I've never done this where I've created a, comp a clinic just to sell it, but that's my goal. I have a four or five year plan 
go into a, this town that we're already comfortable with. We don't care that it's small and nobody likes it. It's like 300,000 people. Uh, I've had enough crowds. I'm here in um, Southern California, so I welcome being in a small town. Um, and I'm still going to come here every month to take care of business, you know, stay in different Airbnbs and things like that. But, um, yeah, flip it. I try to, in four to five years, I want to sell it to the hospital. And they're going to pay, I hear, boku bucks for, um, uh, for this kind of thing. And uh, we got a bunch of questions. Jeez. Okay. Uh, yeah, keep those likes going, guys. Thank you so much. And Hadron, we just had you on. We love this guy. Thank you so much. Um, PM versus CRA for an IMG. Using a lot of acronyms. Good thing I know what these things mean. Okay. Project manager versus clinical research associate for an international medical graduate. Which one is better? I think CRA is better. But you're not going to get CRA. You're going to have to go CRC first and then go CRA. I think CRA is better for me personally. Maybe you like project management. But being a clinician by training, CRAs are more on the clinician spectrum than project managers are. Uh, so that's that. Is there ways for IMGs to become a PI or sub-I? Sub-I, yes. PI, no. Sub-I, yes. PI, no. What should be given as compensation to a healthy volunteer in a clinical study? Uh, they get paid a lot. It depends on what's all involved. And I mean, I know some... Um, phase one sites for some studies, the patients get paid like 300 bucks a day, and it's like a 30-day study, some even more. It depends on what's all involved and what the IRB approves, right? And phase one are tricky because I don't know how else, like healthy volunteer are very tricky studies because there is no benefit other than altruism and money for the volunteer like they're not sick they're not trying to find a better treatment you know for themselves they are they have nothing but downside in being in the study right so you got to compensate them appropriately for their time um and for you know what's required of them as far as risk reward there is no there is no uh real reward other than altruism and getting paid so they get paid a lot and it's there's no other benefit for phase for healthy volunteer. Uh, but good question, good question. If anybody else has better answers, just throw them down here, you know. Uh, and in Instagram too, you know. Happy Monday, guys. You guys uh, are asleep, but just wake up. You know, we're gonna go. I'm gonna go walk Sonic in a little bit, and I just I'm dying to answer more question. Christine's dying. How are you doing over there, Christine? I'm doing good. So um, I wanted to share with you that earlier, one of the questions that came up on Clubhouse was, what if they monetize data? And I was thinking that that is a good idea because one of my friends that doesn't know anything about clinical research asked about that. But then I said, well, that's kind of against, you know, GCP because it would be considered coercion. So what do you think about that, Dan? So, yeah, it's coercion. I mean, for for phase one, it's coercion, but as far as getting the data, like, uh, what do you mean? Like the patients getting data, their own data? Yes. So you know how we use their data? They would basically be monetized for every data point. Ah, yes, yes, 
Uh, I've heard similar things. I've heard that they want to, there's some company that's trying to find a way to incorporate blockchain with a token reward for that blockchain. So maybe Dogecoin. I don't think it's Dogecoin, but something like Dogecoin that's worthless. But really, the, the value is in what people believe it to be worth at some future price point. Um, I don't, yeah, you can argue that it's coercion, but the only way for what they what the industry is trying to and and the technology is not there yet but in silico trials which are basically your digital twin there's this whole concept around this idea of your digital twin so the technology is getting so good we know how proteins even fold now we, we can predict how the proteins going to fold so you can like scan your body at that point in time because your body changes right so scan your genome your body at that point in time create your clone your digital clone that lives in a computer and then do studies on your clone um they're talking about doing things like that so yeah you would still need access like it's still me it's a derivative of me because it's my data right this is what mm -hmm. these people are getting towards and it, that's coming there's no way around that that technology is going to only get stronger that stuff's coming um it'll be a matter of time now you won't be able to do every study like this because you still need the real uh in vivo studies not in silico for the most part but i think in 50 years maybe maybe 30 that's gonna be here it's not gonna change being a site or um it might change being a site because if you but you still need access to the original person like just because you have a digital clone somewhere doesn't mean, I mean, what's the benefit for that person to be in it other than the blockchain reward? Maybe giving, prescribing a treatment to the real person based on the study from the clone so that the clone experiences the hypothetical AEs and SAEs and the person doesn't. The person only gets the benefits. We're a long ways from that. We're a long ways from that. But it's a very interesting thought experiment. All you bioethicists out there, I know there's tons of you out there that have an opinion. Let me know in the comments what you think. But yeah, that's coming, Christine. Good. They talk about this kind of stuff on Clubhouse. A lot of it is like just this uh, very macro level kind of conversations. And I prefer more of the uh, get your hands dirty. Um, but that's that's all real. It's all real stuff. In silico, guys. Forward clinical research. How's it going? Okay, Moonbee. Shout out to Moonbee. Okay, last one. Well, there we got another one too. Okay, so which route is best for a pharmacist to get research experience? CRC or CRA? I mean, it depends what... I can't answer this because I don't know what's best for you, you know? Maybe best is more money. Well, usually CRAs make more money. Um, however, CRCs don't have to travel. And so maybe you looking for a position where you don't have to travel. It's impossible to give you an answer because I'm not you. You know, I'm not Lolia16. Um, but it's a very nice logo you have with the flowers. I feel very peaceful looking at reading your question. Um, I don't know which route is best i don't think as a pharmacist you're going to even be a, like allowed to be a cra at most places so i think the crc route so maybe the answer is it's irrelevant what i think is best because you have to go crc first usually you can go in-house cra maybe but you're not going to go straight cra 
and the people are loving Christine are going to have have to have you on more often as a regular. That was a very interesting question, says Christine, regarding the digital twin. And this is why Clubhouse is so cool. Yeah. Rod Raphael says, inpatient studies pay pharmacists well. Inpatient studies pay pharmacists well. That's right. Yes, they do. But you have to be licensed in, the, in that state to be the pharmacist, right? You can't be a foreign pharmacist. Can pharmacists be medical science liaisons? Uh, yes, most of them actually are. Most MSLs are pharmacists, but you have to be a licensed pharmacist in that state where you're going to be the MSL. You can't be a foreign trained pharmacist for that. Unfortunately, they got their criteria at most of these places. Any other questions? I'll leave the other question I got for uh, another podcast because that one I could really go in depth, but we need to end this with uh, thoughts from Christine. And while she's doing that, I need to see likes, comments, shares on a, all platforms. We're going to do this every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We're going to continue doing the podcast. We're going to continue doing the vlogs. We've got a lot going on right now. 2021 is time for you to be on the field, not in the stands. Because even a broken clock is right twice a day. But if you're sitting in the stands, it don't count. Christine take it away hey everyone i just want to send you all positive vibes and a good rest of the week thank you so much for joining make sure you like and subscribe to dan the clinical research guru and stay tuned for more information thank you christine thank you linkedin facebook youtube catch y'all later